Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, and with me again today uh, is Mike Lawless, IMEG's Director of Innovation. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm great. Excited to be here. Today's episode is part three in a series based on the IMEG Executive Guide, Enhancing the Quadruple Aim Through Data-Driven Decisions in the Built Environment. The Quadruple Aim is used by many healthcare organizations as a framework for healthcare excellence. It has four goals, improving population health, reducing the cost of care, enhancing the patient experience, and improving provider satisfaction. Today, we'll be examining how the built environment can support the second goal, reducing the cost of care. And to help us do that, today we have with us Joel Yao, co-founder of Linear A and a contributor to the Executive Guide. Welcome to the show, Joel. Hey, Joe. Happy to be here. Yeah, and we're really glad you're you're on board with us today. Um, Joel, for the benefit of our, of our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about Linear A and its mission? Sure thing. So Linear A is a data-focused practice. Uh, we are a consultancy that operates at the intersection of design, technology, strategy, and analytics with a heavy focus on more advanced analytics and really helping to understand the relationship between data, the built environment, and our role as occupants and designers of that environment. Our mission is to really help owners, executives, and end users understand how data impacts their world, the environments they live and work in, and how we can use it to make better decisions, uh, think about things differently from a design perspective, and really just advance the overall sort of positive outcomes we're looking for within healthcare, science and technology, financial services, and other industries. So, Joel, you know, we've, we've talked a lot, of, a lot about this. You were a big part of developing our executive guide and, and had a lot of great discussions around the quadruple aim and how the, the built environment has a, a great opportunity to positively impact that that isn't always taken advantage of. I know you get involved early in projects. You want to talk a little bit about how you use data to really help organizations decide, you know, what, what is the right thing to build? Sure thing. Yeah, we we do a lot of like master plans, strategic facility planning, looking at market analysis and helping organizations understand where they're currently at as it relates to their market, where they're going, how that market's shifting, and really try to align the executive, we'll say like vision, to what were the realities we might see in the data. So for example, we help people understand their current state from uh, everything from like OR utilization in healthcare, you know, readmission rates and things that might be a little more risky and really do have a negative impact on the cost of care and help them think about, you know, how those patient volumes and that activity translates to how many physical assets you need to be. We, we, we like to talk about like the number of widgets you need to produce, right? And those widgets could be everything from exam rooms to operating rooms, uh, infusion chairs, all kinds of things. And we, we crunch large amounts of patient data and patient volume activity to understand how to right size a platform uh, for a current state, as well as look at market dynamics to understand what growth might look like and how to help executives match their strategic vision of always being the best to the, to the realities of complex, fragmented markets, um, disenfranchised populations, and things like that. And I, you know, I think from the, the perspective of the built environment, building the right, you know, the right quantity of ORs or exam rooms or what have you, you know, is one of the 
best ways to be more efficient. Only build what you need and then use it effectively. And I think that, you know, that's what you help folks do based on the, the populations that they're going to serve. That's absolutely correct. There's so much embodied energy in all of the different things that we're talking about that building the right amount at the right time is really, really critical. If we think about the long-term like carbon footprint of a health system, building the right things at the right time to address the populations that you serve is absolutely critical. So when you look at a building and we're putting it into a community and you think about you know, how are we impacting that community, not only in the building and the cost of care there, but one of the things we've talked about is beyond the walls of the building, we're really impacting the cost of care. How, how do you look at that and some of the data that you have around population health and population uh, you know, metrics? So because we're working with a lot of uh, detailed data that contains things like a patient's zip code from where they've come from, we're able to start to look at geography at a really big picture level and simultaneously look at geography at a really micro level. So for example, if we want to you know, look at the impact outside of the four walls, we can start to see where patients might be coming from outside of the four walls, starting to look at you know, the environments that they're originating from, how far they're having to drive and travel, how close they are to like a, a power plant or something that might have more of a negative impact on their health away from the hospital. And we're able to work with organizations to reduce drive times, which absolutely has an impact on carbon footprints for patients. We're able to help them strategically align services that might get disenfranchised patients into, into their systems and provide higher quality of care. For example, we worked with a, a system in Michigan to make recommendations around technology partnerships. So things like working with Lyft to start to provide patient services and move people back and forth from, uh, from different uh, outpatient centers as a way to ride share and provide, you know, a, a basically an offset cost for those patients that we're having real struggles getting to, to receive the care that they need. So there's just this balance of understanding where people are coming from and where they want to go. And it sounds really simple, but that's a huge part of everyday life, that commute and being able to understand healthcare's role there and how we as strategic planners, thinkers, and analysts can, can really optimize that routing becomes really important. And, I, you know, I think the transportation issue is an important one. My wife actually is leading an effort at her clinic around Uber and Lyft and helping folks overcome that barrier of access to care. That's great. And, and I think what you're saying is too, it's, it's, that's part of it, but it's also using the data to make good decisions on where to, where to build the buildings. It's the investment side of it, right? Like you don't want to make an investment that's meant to reduce the cost of care and misplace it, mistime it, and just generally then increase the cost of care by not really thinking, you know, through the data enough or making a decision that might be more rash or not as thought out as it could be. We've worked with clients, especially when looking at patient origin and provided reports and data and dashboards back to them that say, here are where your patient populations are coming from. Here are where you currently located. And it, it always surprises me how often there's two or three people out of a, you know, maybe eight or 10 in the room that are like, I did, I had no idea that this high of a percentage was coming from out of state or this many people are in this service area that we don't have any facilities or assets. And there's this light bulb that goes off where they realize we really need to understand our patients better in order to better serve them. Well, I think, you know, the other thing with data driven decisions is I, I wasn't aware until, you know, some of our discussions and actually some discussions with my wife, how 
how much the zip code really can define the, the, the challenges and socioeconomics of a population and how that can really drive a lot of the decisions we make. So, you know, I think what we've, we've touched on, let's build the right amount of space. Let's use data to build the right size building. Let's use data to build it in the, you know, in the right location. You know, now we're, we're into building the building. You know, what, what are your thoughts on what are the data? What are the pieces we should be looking at as far as what goes into that, that build? I think once you've settled on the number of widgets and where those widgets need to go, it becomes really important to understand how you're going to operate that facility because the the operations, uh, there's no disconnect between the design and operations. We work in the same places that we're designing, building, and acting in. And so for me, it's really about articulating the relationship between the built environment operations and being able to roll that up in such a way that like a CFO or like a chief nursing officer or chief medical officer, any sort of C-suite level individual can put, for lack of a better term, pressure downstream to say, we can't design this really beautiful building that doesn't function well. We can't design something that functions really, really well, but is not going to perform well from, a, from an engineering or design perspective. And so it's about helping the executives really understand that these things need to be evaluated in concert so we build methodologies and analytics that connect things like daylighting to nursing productivity or the ability to start to identify where there might be areas for uh, better quality, more evenly distributed electric and natural lighting for dementia patients. So there are these like safety factors that we start to think about. There are these operational factors like buildings are kind of a one time capital cost. The operations of those buildings last significantly longer and they're going to have a much higher turnover. So it's it's one of those scenarios where we, we really want to focus on the first cost as well as the long-term cost and align those two things early on so that we're not backfilling, you know, one solution or trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Well, I think part of the thought is there's going to be a capital expenditure to, to build, build these buildings. There's going to be ongoing maintenance costs. And it's really how do we think of that capital expenditure and operating costs as a way to not, not only an expense, but a way to improve things for the, the populations that we serve. Yeah, I, I like using the term that buildings are investments. You know, too often they're looked at as a, as a negative or like an infrastructure engineering system upgrades are viewed as kind of like a negative on a balance sheet, right? And from a financial perspective, you're spending money, but what you're really doing is investing money back in yourself. And so for us, it's the ability to start to quantify the return on that investment by connecting it to other things that might have never been looked at before, like the relationship of a systems upgrade to line loss measures that reduce the amount of energy used in a disenfranchised community that's more highly impacted 200 miles away, as an example, or the ability to talk about increasing you know, exposure to natural light because it helps with uh, circadian rhythms and it helps with productivity. And it's those kind of things there that the productivity measures are arguably going to have a much longer term and higher financial ROI than the building necessarily would in and of itself if those elements aren't thought through at the same time. Yeah, I think it's as, you know, a lot of times when we build buildings, it's a it's an ROI based on payback. We're going to put in this level of system because it has a four-year payback or a, a six-year payback and not thinking through all the ways that that impact occurs. I think, you know, you talk about infrastructure upgrades, you, you know, we upgrade the boiler system, it's gonna save money, but it's also, 
a lot of times power plants are, are not lo are located in areas that are so socioeconomically depressed and the power, you know, if you're thinking about how you're caring for your patients, the less power you use, the less pollution occurs and the better the environment is for, for your patients in that area. And the same with the, the daylighting. A lot of times that's a simple energy savings calculation. And we're not thinking about how it improves staff productivity, which include, you know, improves cost of care and how it can improve patient outcomes, which also improves cost of care. That's, that's exactly right. It's, it's getting back to the right assets at the right time, at the right size, and thinking about the, every single one of those steps through the lens of how can we reduce how that cost gets passed on to our patients? Because you know, selfishly, it helps the bottom line of a lot of these systems. At the same time, it's helping better serve their patient population, which to me is a win-win. You know, absolutely. That, and that's where I think this, this focus around thinking of a building as an investment that improves your community, is just, it's, I think it's really important um, so that as we build buildings, design buildings, look at the data, we, we really, the goal is to get to the best outcomes for the, the populations we serve. And I just think it's an important perspective to keep as we continue to, to interact with healthcare organizations. That's exactly right. We're seeing a tremendous amount of investment in the startup space in trying to bridge the gap and address all of these barriers to care, especially with like federally qualified health centers and areas that are economically disenfranchised. And so I think the more that academic medical centers all the way down to like rural clinics can think about the decisions that they make for their built environments respectively and how it impacts their communities, it's just going to benefit everyone in the long term. No, I, I you know, I, I agree. You know, Joel, it's been it's been great having this discussion with you and, and you sharing this information. I guess I give an opportunity to you if somebody's out there and they're going to build a building, you have a, a short piece of advice for them as they're getting started. I would just say ask a lot of questions and be open to different perspectives around the things that matter to that building. Don't just talk to facilities. Don't just talk to the CFO. Don't just talk to the chief medical officer and let any one person drive all of the outcomes for a building, really try to collaborate and really try to understand that the decisions we're making today for 50-year buildings are going to impact communities that might not even exist right now. So we really need to be thoughtful about the decisions we need to make. And it's not about the data being the only thing. It's about being able to balance our intuition as designers, engineers, architects, and executives against the reality of what's historically happened from a performance and a market perspective and really collaborating a lot earlier and thinking about every single person on the team and valuing their input equally. Yeah. I mean, I think to quote Ted Lasso, be curious, right? Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I wasn't, didn't see that coming, Mike, with the, the Ted Lasso reference, but I, I applaud you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for the next season to to, to roll out here. So uh, anyway, Ed, Joel, thank you so much for being on today. You you brought to our show a really great perspective and a lot of good information, a lot of good things to think about. Um, if if somebody were wanting to uh, learn more about Linear A, what's uh, tell us what's your website? Sure, it's uh, www.linearalineara.io. And by all means, contact me. My email address is joel at linearay.io. Excellent. Appreciate it. 
Listeners uh, who missed the first episode or the first several episodes in this series can find uh, our podcast, The Future Built Smarter, on any podcast app or visit imegcorp.com slash resources and click on podcasts. That's I-M-E-G-C-O-R-P dot com slash resources. The same link will also direct you to our guide section where you can download the Quadruple AIM Executive Guide. Next up in this series, we'll take a look at the built environment and the patient experience. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.